everybody. This is Luke Hazelmeyer here. This message you're about to hear is titled Character, and it is based out of Romans 12 verses 9 through 13, taking a look at 13 Christian virtues that Paul talks about in this passage with a specific focus on honor. Hope you enjoy. How's it going this morning? Did my mic just now turn on? Dang it. No, just kidding. Great to see you all. My name is Luke Hazelmeyer. I am one of the executive pastors here at Vineyard Northwest. It's an honor to serve there, and it's a privilege to be with you this morning. And thanks, Jordan, for the introduction. Um, I couldn't help but notice that you've got the same shoes that I'm wearing, that you have the same shoes as me, do you? I'm, man, I guess I'm uh, influential or something. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <clears throat> so, we're continuing this series, The Holy Spirit and Our New Nature, going through the book of the Bible called Romans, Letter to the Christians in Rome, written by the Apostle Paul. We're doing chapters 12 and 13 this summer, and... We are in verses 9 through 12 this morning, or 9 through 13. So we're not going to do any slides this morning, decide we wanted to mix it up. So you can either listen or you can just turn there on your um, device. Yeah, no one uses physical Bibles anymore. So why even say it? Open your Bibles and 80% of people are like... So open your Bibles to Romans 12. Um... I'm going to pray, and then we can, we'll dive in, and don't worry, you can keep scrolling and opening your Bible while I pray. You're not sinning if you do that. So, Holy Spirit, we love you, Jesus. We want more of you. Would you come, would you open our eyes to what you're saying through your scriptures? Would you come and intersect our lives, connect with our hearts and our minds? We want to know you, God. Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, we're diving into Romans 12. Let's start just by reading the passage. So this is verses 9 through 13. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. So what did we just read? We just read 13, you might call Christian virtues, or just 13 practices that you'd expect to see in somebody who is following Jesus. Now, I was looking over this, and I was like, man, you could do a sermon on each one of these 13 virtues. So I'll just give, guess I'm just going to give 13 sermons this morning, because you all are hungry for God, right? (laughs) That was actually a little more energy than I expected. Even I don't want to hear me give 13 sermons. We're going to briefly go through them, uh, and then there's a couple that I feel like God was highlighting to me that I want to focus on, 
So that's kind of how we're going to do it. And as we go into this, I want to talk about how last week Van had verses 6 through 8 in Romans 12. And if you know Romans 12, 6 through 8, you know that it's talking about spiritual gifts. So the gift of leadership, the gift of serving, the gift of giving, the gift of prophecy. It's talking about uh, these special abilities that we don't earn, but that God gives us, that God puts his grace on us so that we can function in them. And what I loved about what Van was talking about was that whatever gift we have, if we are functioning in that gift, relying on the grace of God for that gift, we are releasing the kingdom in an equal measure to any other gift. And so um, the person who has the gift of hospitality and is greeting people on their way in is releasing the kingdom just as much as the worship leader. It's all um, there because it's the, it's the same grace that's on each person. It's the same kingdom being released through each gift. And so that's awesome. And as we're, as we're focusing in on gifts, I think there's a reason that right after talking about gifts, Paul started talking about virtues. Like six through eight of Romans 12 is gifts, nine through 13 is virtues. And I think the reason that Paul did that was because it's so easy sometimes to get too focused on the gifts and not focus enough on the virtues or to neglect the virtues because of the gifts. And so uh, here's what I want to start with. Having a spiritual gift does not give me an exemption from any of the other Christian virtues. Just because I'm gifted doesn't mean I'm exempt. What do I mean? You ever met a teacher who's not teachable? <laughs> Anyone ever had a professor before who didn't like it when you tried to teach him something? <laughs> or a pastor? Hopefully not here. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, it's weird. Like, I don't know what it is, but have you ever, it seems like after a preacher gives one or two sermons, you know, they feel like they're entitled now to be like the critic of every other teacher that they ever hear for the rest of their life. Like, have you ever heard of Rotten Tomatoes? You know what that is? Like that group that criticizes television and, and uh, vid, uh, movies. It's like, once you've given two messages, all of a sudden you're on the Rotten Tomatoes committee for messages. And so, and I, you know, I've, you sit in the message and, you know, the pastor starts going into, your, into a store and you're like, oh, wow, how cute of him to think that the story is going to work right here in this sermon. That story would have been much better later on. Or, huh, that's nine ums in eight minutes. <laughs> Penalty, you know. Or wow, that point definitely didn't land. Give that a four out of 10. Man, this preacher really needs some work. I could probably show him a two or thing or thing or two. <laughs> you know, maybe I should just go up there and take the mic. And so <laughs> it's like teachers, you, you can have this gift of teaching and you have the gift and you're able to explain God's word to people. But why is it then that when... And I'm talking about myself too, that when we sit in someone else's sermon, we are just judging it the whole time. You know, you might give a message to the people, hey, don't judge sermons received from God, but then you do the same thing when you're sitting down. And, and so it's like having this gift sometimes, if you're not intentional, you're not careful, the gift can actually um, cause you to neglect 
one of the virtues that's going to empower the gift in the first place. Or what about uh, worship leaders, right? And I was just, or a worship team, rather. I was just on the worship team, so um, I can make fun of them and ridicule them right now. So, um, you ever seen a worship leader like, all right, everyone, we're just going to focus in on Jesus right now for this song. Push out every other distraction. Push it out. Push it out. Focus on Jesus and let's sing this. And the song's over and they're back, you know, walking back into the green room like, yeah, high five, high five, high five. Uh, drummer, not so much. High five, high five, high five. Hey, this is awesome. That was a great set, guys. All right, somebody, you know, where's the LaCroix? Let's bust him out. Um, where are the pistachios? What's, what's that sound? Hey, turn that, turn that down. Is that the sermon? Hey, I'll catch it next week. Turn it down. You know, there's couches back there. I know, because I've been there. And, and so like, and I, I mean, you guys know I'm being funny, right? I'm not, there's no passive aggression here. Or is there? No, there's not. So it's like you have the gift, you're on the worship team, and you really are present, and you really show up for your part. But then for the rest of the service, uh, you just, you're not present. You aren't engaged. You're not receiving. Now, I know our worship team doesn't do that because um, I'm on the worship team and the, our worship team is really, really awesome. I mean, I, I'm looking out into the seats right now. I'm seeing worship team member after worship team member. But the point I'm trying to make is that we can get these gifts and we can neglect virtues because of the gifts. Or um, another one about the being present thing, I want to pick on prophets for a second. Prophets are people, everybody can hear God's voice. So there are not just some people that can hear God's voice. But there are some people who have the gift of being a prophet. And what that means is that they are to help everybody else learn how to hear God's voice more clearly and to hear God's voice for the church at large. And so prophets are, how should I say this? Interesting. Very interesting. For one, they're basically always barefoot. I mean... <laughs> I don't even know if prophets, although Micah's wearing shoes, he's a guy that has that gifting in our church. He's got shoes on, and uh, I told him ahead of time that I was going to pick on prophets, and I think that that's the only reason we're seeing him in shoes right now. <laughs> you know? Um, prophets have what I'll call the spiritual gift of hallway pacing. Worship is happening. They're usually in here soaking up the presence of God, worshiping. And then it seems like the second the preacher goes on stage, they're just walking back out into the hallway. And, and they're pacing around the hallway. And now they're like, it's a burden of intercession. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, <laughs> we all know they're out there talking to people and getting coffee. And um, <laughs> I'm just playing. I believe in that. But um, all of this is to say that it's easy sometimes to let our gift, because of the nature of our gift, give us an excuse to neglect the fruits of the Spirit. We use our gift of the Spirit as an excuse to neglect the fruits of the Spirit. And here's the deal. It's the fruit of the Spirit that puts anointing on your gifts of the Spirit in the first place. It's love 
on prophets that make them powerful. It is joy on worship leaders that make them powerful. And it's not them being loving or joyful while they're using their gift. It's them being loving and joyful when they're not using their gift. And I know I just named all upfront gifts, but this applies to the more behind the scenes gifts too. You know, maybe you have the gift of helps and so you're putting up chairs after service. Where's your heart? Are you like, man, all these people are so lazy. Why are none of them helping me? Oh, I'm giving 8% this month, you know? <laughs> and um, so regardless of the gift, it's the fruit of the spirit and practicing that as a lifestyle that anoints, and by anoints, I mean gives favor and grace to the gifts of the Spirit. So with that in mind, let's dive into these 13 virtues. And again, I'm, some of them I'm going to go by super quickly for the sake of time. But I, before I name these virtues, I want to make sure that we remember something. When we read a passage of Scripture like this, where it's 13 really practical commands we can easily slip back into a mindset of, oh, I'm doing these things to prove that I love Jesus. I am being hospitable. I'm being devoted. I am being generous to prove that I love Jesus. Let's remember, let's go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2, which is the context for all of this. First thing, hey, because of God's mercy and love for me, I am giving him my whole self as a living sacrifice. It's not, I'm not doing these virtues to get his love because his love for me is so incredible and so profound. Literally, his love for me means there is nothing I can ever do or not do that will ever make him love me any more or any less. He loves me um, unconditionally and infinitely regardless of what I do. Like, because of the reality of that love, I am giving him my life, and part of giving him my life are practicing these virtues. So remember, whenever you read a passage of scripture where it's like, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, and maybe you start to feel that condemnation coming up, wow, your report card would really not be good based on these things. Remember, no, it starts all with his love and we do these things and we learn these things and we grow in these things because of his love. So, first one that we read was, let love be without hypocrisy. So, love without pretending. You know, don't just tell someone you love them and then ridicule them behind their back. Really love them. Hating evil. I'm gonna camp here for a second. Paul says, hate evil. Now, I'm going to address that directly in a second. But if you've been following some of my posts on Facebook this year, you might know that I've kind of been on this soapbox for the last six months. And it's something I really feel like God has put a passion he's put in my heart. I've been on this soapbox of let's not sacrifice Jesus on the altar of politics. Let's not sacrifice the call to represent Jesus to the world because of our misguided passion and zeal for political issues. Let's just not do it. And I want to, to clarify that I'm not saying that it's wrong to be passionate about politics. I'm saying that um, 
I'm asking, where is that passion coming from? The passion itself is not wrong, but is that passion coming from the kingdom or is that passion coming from the political spirit? You see, the political spirit's agenda is to divide people and to breed hostility between people. And so if my passion for politics is breeding division between me and my brothers and sisters and just people in general, and my passion for politics is creating hostility between me and others, then I'm probably not being motivated by the kingdom. My passion is probably rooted in the political spirit, a demonic spirit set out to attack the purposes of God and the church. Yeah, we just went there. We're getting deep this morning. (laughs) I scared some people. And I know what you're thinking. Wow. So glad that everybody else is hearing this message. (laughs) Man, all those other people need this. Now, I mean, here's the deal. Jesus said in Mark 8 to the disciples, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. What's the yeast? It's something that makes something rise. And so beware of that which causes religion, the religious spirit to rise and, and get all interconnected in the political spirit. Like beware of the religious spirit and the political spirit. And I think the reason that Jesus singles these two things out and says beware of these two things is that it's really hard sometimes to know that you're caught up in it when you're caught up in it. I'll tell you this. If your passion for politics is being fueled by the political spirit, everybody around you knows it. Okay? They know that your passion is misguided. They know, your Facebook friends know, your family knows, your friends know, your dog knows. Everybody knows, but you oftentimes, because it's a lot harder to tell when you're in that place, when you're in that spirit, that attitude yourself. It re- that's why Jesus singles it out. You know, there are other attacks of the enemy that you kind of know when he's attacking you with it, right? Like shame, when you're just beating yourself up. I mean, man, I'm a failure. Like, that's a very common attack of the enemy, but the difference between that and the political and religious spirits is that you oftentimes know when you are in shame. It's very hard to know when you're in the wrong spirit. And so, um, we, we, we can't partner with the political spirit and expect to achieve kingdom results in our world. We just can't. And here's kind of what, let me bring this home. So Paul says, hate evil, right? That's, that's, that's where all this started. And, and it's easy to hate some evil. It's easy to look at my political party's agenda and hate all of the evil that it hates. But here's the deal. If the only evil you take a stand against is the evil that your political party takes a stand against, then you're not standing for the kingdom. You're standing for a political party. And the kingdom is so much bigger than the right. And the kingdom is so much bigger than the left. And so with our passion for politics, are we promoting a party or are we promoting the kingdom? And I want to encourage you, hate all evil, not just the evil your party is passionate about. 
I'm not going to go any deeper into that, but um, let's be led by the Spirit with all this stuff. Now, I want to make this practical because it's easy for me to get up here and give an impassioned plea to to not partner with the political spirit, but what does that look like practically? Here's my challenge for everybody, and if you don't use social media, then first off, <laughs> bravo to you. Okay. I mean, social media's not bad, but man, it can be irritating. So um, this is to anyone who uses social media, okay? We all know we'll be scrolling through our feed, and there's that person that we knew six years ago and they're making that post, and, you know, we're so, I gotta show them what's right. Okay, next time you find yourself in that place, I'm not saying don't respond, okay? It's okay to disagree. I'm not saying don't respond, but my challenge to you is make your post or comment more honoring by choosing to make three edits before posting, okay? So you got it typed out, you're just waiting to send it, and uh, release that, right? Make three edits before you send it, okay? So it's like instead of saying, hey, stupid moron, okay? Edit that to, hey, friend. And then saying, instead of saying, that idea is absolutely idiotic, you know, say, I don't agree with that idea. I'm not sure I understand where you're coming from. Okay. And instead of saying, oh, you liberals are all, or you conservatives are all, instead of making black and white statements about people and putting them into boxes and categories, you know, say, I just don't know if I understand this line of thinking that I've seen in some people. That's my challenge. Three honor edits. Okay. All right. We'll leave this one behind. So, hating evil, clinging to good. I'm about to go rapid fire. Just hold on to your seats. So, clinging, literally glue yourself to good is what that means. Don't only go to church or a house group or do things that God's told you to do when your life is falling apart. Cling to them in all times. Devotion to each other. So, this means like family-like loving affection. That's what... Paul's talking about with devotion. So if you wouldn't talk about your mama that way, don't talk about your brother or sister in Christ that way. Give preference to one another in honor. I'm going to talk about that one more later. Don't lag behind in diligence. So don't be lazy or begrudging about what God's called you to do. Be fervent in spirit. So choose to be passionate about Jesus. Serving the Lord. Have a servant's heart. How about you do the dishes at family gatherings? How about this afternoon at lunch? You guys don't like that. Uh, rejoicing in hope. So be expressively hopeful. Rejoice. Rejoice is not like this, okay? And if you're embarrassed, get in your car by yourself. Go drive somewhere where no one can hear you and shout out thank you to God. If you've never done that before, do it. I promise you something will get released. Persevering in tribulation. Just don't give up when it's hard. Contributing to the needs of the saint. Be generous with your time and your money and energy. Contribute. And the last one, practicing hospitality. So work hard to make people feel welcomed by you. Those are the 13. Let's end our time by diving a little bit deeper into honor. Give preference to one another in honor. Or as another translation says that I love, outdo one another in showing honor. 
Like Paul's like, all right, guys, if you're going to compete, compete with each other and see who can honor each other the most. It reminds me of this, this clip from The Office. Do we have any Office fans in here? Just but, okay. Last service I shared this and didn't go so well, so let's see how many Office fans are here. There's an episode where Dwight and Andy keep repaying each other favors, almost like incessantly and ridiculously because neither one of them wants to be the one who received the last favor. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Okay, outdo one another in showing honor. Like, honor each other outrageously. Go above and beyond what you feel like you are obligated to do when it comes to honor. So this call to honor, it's mentioned several times in Scripture. You've got honor your parents in Exodus 20. You've got honor those in authority in Romans 13. Honor church leaders in 1 Timothy 5. Mm-hmm. You guys hear that one? Church leaders. Honor. It's a, it's a command. It's, it's a virtue. It is... Um, it's what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's honor. So definition, this is, no by, this is in no way perfect. This is from the Luke Hazelmeyer Dictionary Edition 2. And here's what I wrote. Honor is a choice to show loving respect to someone regardless of whether they've earned it or not. Regardless of whether they've earned it or not. It's easy to honor people that have earned it from us. It's kind of like Jesus saying, hey, don't just, love your en- don't just love your friends. Like anyone can do that. Love your enemies. Same way. Don't just honor those that have earned your respect. Honor those that haven't. That's the call. Outrageously honor them at that. And this is the thing. Honor is a choice. If you want to live a life that honors God and honors people. And by the way, you can't honor God and not honor people too. You can't just focus on honoring God and well, screw and you know what to everyone else. Like you got to honor people too. And so um, honor. Yeah, it's a choice. Honor is a choice that we have to make and it's not going to happen accidentally. We have to choose to honor, and there are going to be so many situations in our life where we'll have a choice either to honor or to dishonor. Um, one personal example for you. I've made the decision that I am not going to criticize either just internally or to another person guest speakers that come here and speakers at conferences that I go to. I'm just not, even if I disagree with their theology, I am not going to criticize. I'm going to keep critical thoughts away. Why am I doing that? Because in Matthew 10, 41, Jesus says that those who receive a prophet in the name of a prophet receive a prophet's reward. What does that mean? That means that if you receive someone that God has sent to you with a free heart, then you'll, you will receive from them the thing that God wants you to receive. But if you don't receive them, if your heart has walls built up, if you have a critical mindset towards them, you're not going to receive the, 
their message, and then you're not going to receive the thing that God wants to give you. And so, for me, honoring looks like I am not going to fall into criticism. I don't care if they said something that totally contradicts something I believe. I am not going to criticize them because what's the point? They're leaving. I'm not going to see, they're not in this church. They're not going to be here long term. I'm going to receive, I'm going to instead receive from them the thing that God wants me to receive from them. And now there is a time to think critically. Like I'm not saying you never do that. But like, for example, when Wilson and Van and I are like debriefing a, a speaker that we've had here, you know, we'll set aside time to talk about what went well, what didn't go well, what was good, what wasn't good. But here's the deal. Um, while we're having that time, we don't forget, or at least we strive to not forget that first and foremost, this was someone that was sent to us by God to give us something. Like God wants me to receive something from them. And so, yes, you know, maybe they don't have the same eschatology, end times theology as us. Or, you know, maybe they don't totally see healing, physical healing the same way we do. But that doesn't matter. We're going to receive from them what God wanted us to receive. And honor looks like that. Honor is oftentimes ignoring the natural instinct because some, for some reason, the natural instinct is oftentimes to criticize people, especially when we disagree with them and to not receive from them. And in so many circumstances, that's what honor looks like. Honor is also giving others the benefit of the doubt and not making assumptions. You know what happens when you assume, right? I can just feel the nervousness in the room. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. <clears throat> there was a time probably five years ago. We have seven house groups right now. We had five back then. And um, I was leading one in one part of the city. And a friend of mine was leading a house group in another part of the city. And each of us had a leadership team underneath us, probably about 10 or 15 people. And so one Monday morning on my day off, I'm just trying to relax and not think about church. And I get a text from my fellow, from you know, the leader of the other group. And he's like, hey, Luke, just thought you should know that one of your leaders is trying to buy weed from someone that goes to my house group. And I was just like, <sighs> they don't pay me enough for this job. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this is the last thing I want to be dealing with right now. And so I'm like, really, are you sure? And then he sends me a screenshot. And sure enough, it's this person reaching out to this other person like, hey, I want to buy some weed. Do you know anybody? And I'm just like, oh, man. What am I going to do with this person? This, is this isn't just a person that went to my house. This was a leader. And so I'm praying about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm wrestling with it. And um, I was tempted just to go in and be like, what the heck? Like, send the screenshot. and be like, what the heck were you thinking? You are off my leadership team, and you better come back. You know, you better, like, really apologize and repent and maybe after six months, like that's what I wanted 
That was the spirit in which I wanted to respond because it was frustrating. But I don't know if I prayed and asked God and he said, don't make assumptions, or if I just decided not to make assumptions. But whatever the case is, I decided in that moment that I'm, I'm going to go into this and I'm going to give this leader of mine the benefit of the doubt. Like, I'm going to see what they say about this. And so I contacted that person and I was like, hey, so I heard from, you know, this other leader that you had reached out to someone that goes to his house group and asked to buy weed. And I just want to hear, like, is there anything else I need to know about this? And the leader responded, and I realized the situation was not what I thought it was. It was still not good, but it was not what I thought it was. I talked to this person, and they said, you know, I did do that. I know it was stupid, but I've got a friend who's dying of cancer, and she has no appetite, and her not eating is actually speeding up her uh, death, and nothing is really working. And so I thought maybe I'd just try that and make some brownies or something. Still dumb, right? But way different than I thought it was. Okay, not wise, but let's be honest. When we have a friend or a family member who's suffering, who of us, which person in this room has not done something stupid or not totally right in hopes to alleviate their suffering or at least been tempted to? I have. And so here's the point. If I would have went in to that situation assuming the story that I had written in my head, that this leader was just um, in sin and was just trying to get high with their friends. If I went into it with that assumption, one, I would have been wrong. Two, I would have dishonored the person. And even though they still weren't totally in the right, doesn't mean that it's okay for me to dishonor them. And so honoring, honor looks like not making those assumptions, but giving people the benefit of the doubt. And Jesus was the most honoring person. I know some of you are thinking, well, didn't he tell the Pharisees that they were uh, children of hell? Yeah, but here's the difference between us and Jesus. He perfectly knew people's hearts around him. We don't. So when you perfectly know the hearts, when you can see with clarity the hearts of people around you, I mean, the Bible says we don't even know our own heart. So if we can't even know our own heart, how can we know other people's hearts? It's best just not to try and be like, okay, the knowledge of their hearts is for God and them, not me. I'm going to honor them. I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to assume. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to be done in a couple minutes, so don't worry. You'll get to lunch soon. But I want to just take a couple, like I want to give God like one or two minutes right now. You just listen to me talk, but I want to let him personally interact with you because that's really what he's been longing to do this whole morning. And so let's just not worry about what's next for a second. Let's just take a second and receive from him because I really believe that God right now 
is releasing something onto all of us corporately. I really feel like he wants us to be a church that doesn't fall into the Christian stereotype of being hypocritical people, but that we lead the way in honor. That we are examples of honor to everyone around us. So you don't have to do anything right now, but if you want to put your hands out like this, or your hands on your heart like this, something just to receive from him. Again, we got, we're going to be done in about a minute and a half, but I just want to take a second and do this. So let's really just zone in right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you come and rest upon your people right now in Jesus' name? I see that for some of you, God is refreshing you and he's pushing out stress and burdens that you weren't meant to carry. If you came in this morning and you had a burden or you had some stress that was circling, kind of circling in your heart, could you just pop your hand up real quick? If that's you, if God's doing that on you right now. Okay. Put it back up one more time and hold it up for a second. If you'd be willing to say a quick prayer for somebody, would you walk over to someone who's got their hand up and put your hand on their shoulder? And when you feel a hand on your shoulder, people that raise your hands, you can put your hand down. Let's get someone to everybody. If you'd be willing to say a prayer, we've got a couple more. Just look around. Walk over to someone. Once you got a hand on your shoulder, you can put your hand down. Now, I'm not going to pray. I want you just to pray right now for refreshment and freedom from stress and from burdens. Just go ahead and pray out loud right now for, for another 30 seconds. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you are incredible. We invite you to come refresh us. We invite you to, would you come and just purify our hearts, Lord? Would you make us into the people that we're called to be, the people that outdo one another in showing honor? We love you. We give you all glory this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.